Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Sonogo. Compressions out. Sonogo. The physicality of this defense of Texas and the help. Impressive. That's five fouls on Texas first six. Oh, How about the eye contact between those two? Yeah, Poplar to Miller. Kansas State now needs a three to tie it. Clock ticks. Noel dribbles. He's looking for someone. Masood got to put it up. Door. Shireman contact, couldn't spin it in, and it's a play on. Butler going straight up. Trammell looking for the lead, the floater, got it! Racing to the baseline, snakes all the way back around, Durant unfurls the three, back-to-back triples. Might be getting that shooting sight well, he's locked gonna, in. Well, he's not going to stop shooting. Ah, I, I'm sure Nas Reed wishes he wouldn't. Will Smith has really solidified the top of their order. Punches it over the head of Walker. Altman is home. McCarthy's throw is cut off, and we're tied at two. Will Smith at it again. He's two for two. Yeah, led the Dodgers and hits the spring, James Altman. Miguel Rojas on deck. This is out toward deep left center. And gone. It's just an easy swing that time by Altman, but caught the ball right on the barrel. Drove it out there to left center field. Pitch is swung on and hit in the air to center field and deep. Back goes Yastrzemski on the track at the wall. She is gone. Unbelievable. Aaron Judge in his first at-bat of the year hits a home run to dead center. It is a Judgean blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Great pickup and throw. 0-2, cut on and miss. Cole finishes with his 11th strikeout. And in six innings, he gave up no runs and three hits. No runs, one hit, no one left. At the end of five and a half, Yankees have a 3-0 lead. 2-2 pitch, line shot out into the alleyway in left center. Anderson will score. Robert coming around third. He's in. It's a two-run double. And the Sox lead three to one. There's the hit. It's finally happened, partner. And it's Andrew Vaughn delivering in the clutch on another fastball thrown by Presley. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Friday, March 31st edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. The Final Four, who you got on Saturday, ATS. The Suns, what are you looking for tonight against apparently these shorthanded Nuggets? 
The Diamondbacks, did you see anything last night that you consider encouraging? MLB opening day, what stood out? And what else caught your eye since our last show, which was all the way back to Wednesday? At least my last show. Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9-15, we'll have a UConn-Miami Final Four preview. Don Mamori will join us from the Hartford Current. 10, uh, excuse me, 9.30 or so to be interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also some local roundup, including a little Diamondbacks-Dodgers analysis from last night's opening contest. Final segment, it'll be the National Roundup. Top by the latest line for the Final Four. Possibly some NBA. Try to get into a little bit, a little bit of Major League Baseball news in that final segment. Then after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, it'll be the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. And that will include a Western Conference leading Nuggets update. Of course, the Nuggets here to play the Suns tonight. And uh, Harrison Wynn scheduled to join us from dnvr.com. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, who you got on Saturday night ATS? UConn minus five and a half or Miami plus five and a half? And Kayla's here and has the early returns. Well, the early returns right now are 100% of the vote on UConn's side of things. Okay. Like the favorite that has rolled opponents so far in the NCAA tournament. Maybe a little surprised at the 100%, but not surprised it's certainly on the UConn side of things. The second game of that Saturday Final Four, according to some, myself included, is likely the unofficial NCAA championship game two days before the Monday night official championship game. Also, way back when, the Huskies and Canes were Big East rivals. Way back when. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, who got Saturday afternoon, ATS, Florida Atlantic, plus two and a half, or San Diego State, minus two and a half. And Kayla, what's going on here? Well, right now, San Diego State getting all the love at 100% of the vote here at KDUS AM 1060. Wow, you got to love those favorites, folks. San Diego State had never advanced past the uh, Sweet 16 until last Friday, while Florida Atlantic didn't even have a basketball program until 2008. In addition to the poll questions, anything Final Four certainly strongly encouraged discussion today. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Suns and Kevin Durant are back on the hardwood again tonight. Durant scored 16 points on 5 of 18 shooting in Wednesday night's 107-100 victory over the Timberwolves. What are you looking for tonight from the Suns against the Western Conference leading Nuggets? who could be without Jokic and could be without Murray. In fact, according to multiple websites, they're going to be without both those guys. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks, well, they lost round one. After an early lead, the Diamondbacks fell last night to the Dodgers in the season opener at Dodger Stadium. Not exactly a promising performance. It's one out of 162. But did anything last night give you some hope that the Diamondbacks will be improved in 2023? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, uh, all 30 MLB teams in action on opening day, and that's the first time that's happened in many years. 
depending on who you believe. I heard three different years mentioned yesterday. It was the first time that all 30 teams are playing since. And then they gave uh, you know, three different years. ESPN had one. MLB Network had one. The Yankees had another one. So, uh, But it's the first time they've all been playing for a while. That's for sure. I mean, among the headlines yesterday were the White Sox uh, – you know, defeating the defending world champion Astros. You heard the highlight there from that at the top of the show. Also, Der- uh, Garrett Cole was dealing yesterday. And Aaron Judge uh, homered in his first at bat. Second pitch he saw of the season, he homered. And the, they, uh, also yesterday, the Mets placed Justin Verlander on the injury list. What else uh, stood out to you? Maybe those things or something else stood out to you during uh, MLB's opening day on Thursday. In addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since uh, my last show, which was on Wednesday? All right, that's the pipeline. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by the latest on the Connecticut Huskies heading into Saturday night's games, our time Saturday night. Uh, against uh, against Miami. We'll hear from Don Mamori of the Hartford Current. And then later in the hour, we will get to the bottom of the hour, we'll get a little more on the Diamondbacks and Dodgers from last night, a little more on the uh, Suns and Nuggets time pending. And then who knows what we'll have time for in the National Roundup segment, but we'll certainly get to uh, updated numbers for Saturday's Final Four, the two games on Saturday afternoon and evening. Uh, depending on what time zone you live in. But what do we care? We're in this time zone. So one game starts in the afternoon, another game starts in the evening. All right, you're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is mail, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. UConn, a five-and-a-half point favorite in Saturday's Final Four matchup against Miami. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the Sports Zone by Dom Amore of the Hartford Current. And, Dom, good to have you on the show once again. And it's uh, been a few years, I think, but uh, we got you back. Uh, the Huskies certainly been on a roll in this tournament, uh, certainly capped by their domination last weekend of Gonzaga. What's impressed you the most with their tournament, tournament performance and domination thus far? Well, I think the thing that's impressed me the most, uh, Bob, is just the the vibe that this, this group has had. You know, I think they were 
kind of known and it was kind of a uh, concern that they might be uptight uh, and not really loose or confident going into the tournament. They'd lost in the first round the last two years. But once they got those that first win under their belt, they played almost like a, as if they've had a tailwind. Uh, and they, it, each game, which is supposed to get tougher in March, has actually gotten gotten easier. They've made it look easier as the tournament's gone along. So they're incredibly confident and loose right now. Uh, and, you know, you don't know how that's going to play into a situation like this, but you got to feel it's an advantage. So you mentioned uh, you know, the first round losses the last couple of years. So why, what has changed the most since uh, the end of last year with this team? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry about it. I just lost it for a second. Can you repeat that? Yeah, you mentioned the, the the first round losses the last couple of years. So, what are you know why have things have changed? To, how have they changed the most yeah. in the last year or so? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was after last season. Uh, you know, Dan really felt that he didn't have a, a good enough supporting cast. He kind of stopped playing his bench and lost confidence in those in the guys coming off the bench. And he determined that he was going to build a a better supporting cast around his three stars to no go. Uh, Hawkins and Jackson, and he went about doing that very methodically. He he he, un- he knew the kind of players that he wanted in the transfer portal, and he brought in experienced players who could bring those skills. You know, Calcaterra obviously uh, is the three-point shooter, the sharpshooter. Uh, Tristan Newton is the point guard who can score and shoot. Uh, you know, and he brought in uh, you know Naheem Aline who gives them some offense off the bench and tournament experience, which he was looking for as well. Uh, with Virginia Tech. So he brought in transfers who really fit the bill. You know, Hassan Diara, a backup point guard who would know his role and play good defense. So he, his well-chosen, well-selected transfers that really fit what he wanted to do around the stars has given him uh, a, a rotation of eight or nine players where foul trouble doesn't necessarily hurt them, fatigue doesn't necessarily hurt them because he's willing to play nine players significant minutes. In addition to that part, how has Hurley evolved as a head coach in his time at UConn? You know, I feel like he's evolved a tremendous amount in this last month. I feel, or really in the last couple of months, since they had that uh, bad stretch where they lost six out of eight. I think he's calmed down a little bit. He's been a little bit, you know, he stopped fighting with officials. We mentioned that yesterday. It was distracting his team, sending the wrong message to his team. His team was reflecting that. He's reflecting more calm, more maturity, uh, more, more. Um, you know, he, he. I mean, coaches never stop learning. He's now 50 years old, and he's really coaching like a veteran, experienced coach, and not a guy who just started. Which is, you know, the way his demeanor sometimes came off, even, you know, during the first few, uh, first couple of months of this season. But I feel like he's really almost grown up as a head coach before our eyes. He was a good head coach, a good program builder, program fixer, program manager. He was really good at all of those things. But I think as a game coach and as a guy who's developing a, a persona that his team reflects, I think he's matured a great deal as a coach these last couple of months. Okay, we've seen a Hurley here at Arizona State who has similar tendencies, and uh, you know he gets worked up once in a while. Uh, so yeah, how hard was it for da- – yeah, how, how hard do you think it was for Danny to kind of change? Well, it was very hard, and I don't know that he's changed more as so much as uh, as he maybe understands when to when to turn that on and when to turn that off. You know how to you know how to act 
you know, how to tailor your demeanor for the situations as far as other than, you know, maybe just being a little bit over intense and, and the situation has to fit that. I think he's, he's tailoring his demeanor. But, but it is, you know, you've got to be who you are. You can't try to be something you're not. Players will see right through that. You know, everyone around you will see right through that. And, you know, and he's not doing that. But I think, I, I think he's been getting some very good advice from uh, Gino Oriema and Jim Calhoun and some of his other longtime friends and coaching that have been doing this. And I think they've kind of convinced them to, um, you know, maybe not worry as much about the outside influences and the outside perceptions and keep, you know, kind of insulate himself and his clubhouse or his locker room, I mean, baseball mode a little bit, his locker room from from those from those outside perceptions and influences. So I think he's, what he's done really in the last month is focused much more on what he needs to be focused on winning games and much less on what's being said and perceived outside. Okay, so the demeanor has changed a little bit here. You know, they obviously had a dip in, uh, you know, for a few games there in the in the quote middle of the season. So what what else has changed on the court as far as just the playing, the actual performance goes? Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of things have not changed. Uh, it's it, there's still a team that really depends heavily on three point shooting. They've got to get that to win. They've got to get uh, they've got to get what they get inside from. Sonogo and Donovan Klingon off the bench to kind of complement that and open the floor up. Yeah. You know, those things have not changed. But I think he's been a little bit freer and throughout just been meeting to play a little freer, uh, not running as many set plays, but letting, letting things flow a little bit. And I think we saw against Arkansas and Gonzaga how they really, and St. Mary's also in the second round, how uh, they really played with a great flow and didn't allow themselves to be slowed down by teams that wanted to slow it down or sped up beyond what they want to do by a team like Arkansas that wanted to play faster. So I, I just think he's, he's probably uh, maybe backed off a little bit on the sets and, and, and letting the game flow a little bit more. Talking Huskies, well, UConn, obviously, with Dama Mori of the Hartford Current. All right, so on this no-go, you mentioned him briefly. How would you describe his improvement since he's been there and how has his improvement this season helped those around him? Yeah, you know, even when he first got here, uh, you know, he had great footwork and great craftiness around the basket. Things that you usually have to teach a big man, uh, you didn't have to teach him. And he's defined those moves uh, consistently over 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 the three years. Uh, he's he's worked on three point shooting because he knows he's going to need that component to have a chance in the NBA. So he's doing uh, he he'll take a couple of threes a game when he's wide when they leave him wide open, force teams to to adjust to that. Uh, but the big thing that you've seen in this tournament is he's really he's got a good touch around the basket and he's really utilizing it in this tournament. He's he's finishing shots, he's making shots around the rim that he wasn't making consistently earlier in the year. You know, a lot of times you they get him the ball and he would do a about a half a dozen ball fakes or head fakes and maybe end up losing the ball or, or missing the shot. But now he's really he's really utilizing that great feel and touch that he has around the basket and He's making those shots uh, consistently with a very high percentage. Hawkins and Jackson, uh, quite a pair there. What stands out to you from yeah. that duo, and uh, what, what uh, you know, where are they most improved? Yeah, Hawkins is just a, a natural, smooth player. He just moves with such effortlessness, and he plays with such calm and, and poise. Uh, even when he's not doing well, he sticks with it, and, and we've seen him heat up in the second half after scoring his first half. So he's just... 
So he's almost like a, a great jazz musician performing. You know, he's just very, very cool and, and calm and collected. Um, Jackson's almost the opposite, and I've never seen a player quite like him. He's a freakish athlete. He can have a tremendous uh, impact on a game without scoring or even getting off a shot uh, because he's just so active defensively. He's so active with and without the ball offensively. Uh, he's a great passer. Uh, you know, I, I've seen him uh, jump up and intercept a lob pass. Uh, he's that important. He does things that you don't see. So he's a very unique player and a guy that, um, you know, can impact the game in a, in a million different ways other than scoring. Uh, and when he scores just a little bit and gets you 10, 12 points, uh, that really puts you kind of over the top in a lot of games. You mentioned Newton, uh, yeah. From afar, uh, it, it seems like uh, in you know some of the games that they played a little earlier in the season, they were closer. And even here lately, he seems to just make plays every game that in important stages, at least from afar. From afar, am I assessing that accurately? Yeah, I, I think what what he does he is make plays in, in big spots for sure, and I think that's really the difference maker uh, in in games if UConn does get involved in a close game is that if, if he if he makes he, they go as he goes in that sense that if he makes those plays they win uh, a lot of times in, in, in some of the games they were when they were struggling he wasn't making those plays and they were losing and that's one of the reasons why I think Dan took some of the wraps off him and let him play three or a few sets you know I think if there's an Achilles heel on the UConn team they don't really have a pure point guard he's not a pure point guard um, uh, they have three guys so with point guard skills, and he'd be one, Jackson would be one, and Hassan Vieira would be one. But none of them are actually fit the bill of a pure point guard. When he plays well and, play, and, and has some assists uh, and plays like more of a pure point guard, they're better. Uh, and, and I think when he's free-flowing, uh, he's able to do that. So, but, but, but in many ways, if the, the closer the game is, the more important he becomes. The freshmen, Caravan and Klingon, uh, what's impressed you the most about them? And, you know, you know, out of lack of a dumb question, how important is uh, their how, how important have their contributions been? Well, they've been, they've been huge, particularly for freshmen, because you don't see a lot in the game these days with so many fifth- and sixth-year players and transfers and grad students playing. Uh, but they've come in and had a huge impact. You know, Donovan Klingon, uh, for a, a freshman big man, seven-footer, has a terrific basketball IQ, terrific instinct. Uh, he's a really good passer. He could do a lot of things well. And he, and he doesn't necessarily get into foul trouble as often as a, a young big man you know, would. So he, he is a gem. And he's been uh, – I think he's had the advantage whether or not uh, he looks at it that way, but I think he's had such an advantage to be able to break in gradually with uh, a guy like Sonogo uh, playing ahead of him at, at the moment. But he, I think, is going to be a huge star – a huge big man in a game that they don't many. And I think as Dan Hurley said about him, I think he's really hit the nail on the head. Um, a lot of seven-footers play the game because they think they're supposed to, or because they're told they're supposed to. Uh, but this guy really loves the game and, and plays it that way and plays it smart. You know, he's, he's a basketball player, not just a big man. Uh, Caravan also a very smart player, a guy that uh, usually makes the right decisions at the right time. Uh, you know, plays faster, quicker, more athletic than he is. Uh, and he, he seems to have a knack for hitting those daggers, hitting those big shots, particularly if UConn, if, if UConn has lost the momentum. He's very good at hitting those big three-pointers that, that get the momentum back. So 
he's the type of guy that might hit three or four shots in the game, but they're all momentum changers. So he he's been a huge impact as well, and he does a lot of a lot of other things. Well, he's the type of guy when when they were recruiting him. You know, an assistant coach watching him once or twice might not be that impressed. But if you watch him a half a dozen times, seven, eight times, he really grows on on an evaluator. And that's how he kind of got to UConn, that he he kind of grew on their their coaches as they watched him five, six, seven times in prep school. Okay, Dom, on to Saturday we go against Miami. What are the Keens, what about the Keens should uh, UConn be most concerned about? Well, obviously the guard play, uh, Wong in particular, guys that, uh, you know, UConn, uh, when they play well, they play elite defense, and their guards and particularly Jackson will shut down top scorers, top backcourt court players on other teams. Uh, this is going to be a big challenge for them, and uh, that's that, I think I would be very concerned about how UConn plays defense against Miami's guards. Uh, but, you know, the thing that you have to recognize in this tournament, in this Final Four, is that you know, UConn's the highest seed remaining. They're now the it team. Everyone's kind of talking about them as the favorite. But the three other teams that are here, they knocked off all the teams that were supposed to be there. You know, I mean, Miami knocked off uh, Indiana and Texas, and, you know, uh, San Diego State knocked off Alabama, and, you know, FAU knocked off Tennessee. So these teams are, are, are probably not going to be as afraid of UConn as maybe people might think they are. I mean, UConn's going to have to be – be ready for teams that are gonna are gonna challenge them and, and not necessarily be intimidated by them because they've already beaten great teams to get here. Okay, bottom line time: UConn a five and a half point favorite pretty much all week long. So, uh, yeah, who wins on Saturday? And if it's the Huskies, do they cover the five and a half? Uh, I would say they will. I mean, just with the ease with which they've won uh, all these games, I think they'll win. I think they'll win, if not by double digits, by close to it. I think they'll win comfortably. Uh, I mean, at this point, the way UConn's played, it would be a surprise uh, and a big disappointment in Connecticut if they don't win. Uh, you know, they, they can't afford to be happy just to be here. So I think UConn, but, but UConn has responded well to that pressure these last couple of weeks where they hadn't before. So I think UConn fulfills what everyone seems to think is its destiny and, and comes out of this thing with the trophy. Dom, I appreciate it. I knew you're in hot demand here, so thanks for making time for us. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, every 10 years I get uh, I'm in hot demand, like one of those, like one of those hibernating bugs, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, hopefully right. we'll talk to you before another 10 years. <laughs> okay. You got it. All right, thanks a lot now. Bye-bye. Thanks. Dom Amori of the Hartford Current and uh, back in the day. No, not quite 10 years ago, I don't think, but seems like you know, pretty close to 10 years, right? 2014, I guess. So that's not too far off from 10 years. Uh, used to be a frequent guest back in those days. So uh, thanks to Dom for joining us. All right, next segment will be phone call time. It is general discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, uh, we'll have a little local roundup in the next segment, a little bit from the Diamondbacks and whatever else we can jam in, depending on phone call volume, 602-260-1060. Also, our poll questions today have to do with the Final Four. And uh, basically, who covers the numbers in these games? Obviously, San Diego State uh, against Florida Atlantic and San Diego State roughly laying two and a half. That seems to be a consensus number now, even though there's some twos, there's some threes in Nevada, I know. Uh, but uh, we kind of landed on two and a half here. That's also a last look, the FanDuel number. And then, of course, the UConn game 
Uh, UConn's been five and a half pretty much all week long, and that seems to be uh, kind of a universal number universally. How about that? You listen to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and Castlux HD2 100.7. Teams Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. It's time for today's local roundup. And welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, I'll get to a little bit here in a moment and phone call time. It is phone call time, 602-260-1060. Get your phone calls in a couple of moments. First up, let's get in a little bit from the Diamondbacks last night. Uh, they were uh, they were roughly a nine to five underdog last night, and it looked like they were nine to five underdogs last night. They lose eight to two in the season opener against the Dodgers after the Diamondbacks scored single runs in the first two innings against Julio Urias. Uh, the Dodgers really dominated the rest of the way. Zach Gallen didn't make it through the fifth inning. He allowed five runs on six hits and three walks. The Diamondbacks had just four hits. They had three singles and a Nick Ahmed double in the game. Uh, Last night was the first of eight games against the Dodgers over the first two weeks of the season. Tonight, the four-game series at Dodger Stadium continues with Merrill Kelly scheduled to start against Dustin May. Kelly coming off a career 2022 season in which he was 13-8. and That's a pretty good record for a team that won just 74 games. He was five games above 500. He also established career highs in innings pitch and strikeouts a year ago. A lot of personnel news around Major League Baseball, including the Diamondbacks. Obviously, they had to make roster moves uh, before opening day yesterday. Uh, the Diamondbacks, among other things, recalled Kyle Nelson from AAA Reno. And we'll explain why they did that in a moment. He did pitch last night. Carson Kelly on the 10-day injured list. Uh, there was some speculation he might go on the 60-day injured list. He has the uh, right uh, fracture. He has a, the right forearm fracture that he suffered in spring training. Uh, the reason that Nelson was called up because Joe Mantiply, uh, the Diamondbacks' lone all-star from a year ago, was on the uh, placed on the 15-day injured list with left shoulder inflammation. Also, Corbin Martin placed on the 15-day injured list. He's actually expected to be out for the season because of an injury. Uh, Mark Melanson on the injured list because of right shoulder strain. Uh, So those were Diamondbacks roster moves yesterday before the game. All right, let's hit the phone lines here. Let's go to Elvis. What's going on, Elvis? Bob, how are we doing? Did we have opening day flu yesterday? No, I had opening day doctor's appointment, which had nothing to do with the first day of the baseball season, a scheduled doctor's (laughs) appointment. Oh, I I see. I see. Yeah, well, it wasn't an emergency type of thing. I meant to mention that on Wednesday. I apologize for not doing that and just no, not showing up on it's Thursday. No, it's no biggie. One day after, you know, everybody's going to overreact just like first week of uh, football opening day. But uh, before I get to my predictions, I wanted to go over some of these new rules. I know we're on the same page with the guy on second base, 10th inning. Uh, I'm for that. Yeah. And uh, the pitch clock, it's already proven. I've been going to fall league games for years. They'll adjust. And, you know, these batters don't need to take uh, time out after every pitch. You know, get in the box, let's go. You know, yeah, I think you bring up a good point there. I, I agree with that. I think it's a bigger deal for the hitters than it is the pitchers. Right, right. And, you know, we got 
everybody adjusting their uh, batting gloves and what other right. else adjustments they make. Taking oh, remember uh, Penguini Ron say after every pitch he'd step out and take a peg practice swing. Let's go. Mark Har- Mike, you know. Mike Hargrove was the worst. <laughs> oh my human rain delay yeah. exactly right. You right. know, but uh, on the shift, I mean, come on, they had ten years to make an adjustment. I don't, you know, to me. They could play as many as they want on one side. These hitters needed to take the ball the other way, you know, bunt for a base hit. If there's nobody on, you know, covering that side of the uh, infield. But obviously they didn't make the adjustment, so they got to change the rule. And how, what do you think about this throwing over two times? Uh, well, certainly are, are yesterday. You for I, that? I think it's okay um, if it in, induces more stolen bases, and for one day it certainly did because you got guys stealing bases that didn't even think about trying to steal a base before yesterday. So right. it definitely, like it's for one day it made a difference. Uh, we'll see how this goes. And I'm also curious, I assume that the umpires are going to enforce these all year longer, long all, all year long and not forget about these rules after like a month. So exactly. we'll see how that goes. Exactly. Hey, I'm all for it. I mean, I didn't. Once again, I didn't think they need to rule, but for whatever reason, base uh, base stealing went out. You know, with this launch angle BS. You know, if it puts, if it gets more action, more offense, more base stealing, then I'm I'm for it. Yeah, it certainly should. It did did certainly now, did yesterday. <laughs> and I th- I didn't hear. I heard some of your predictions. Did you have the Padres ahead of the Dodgers? I did. The NL West. I, yeah, that's what I, I got them. And and St. Louis has got to be the favorite. But when last time I talked to you, I, I told you that I thought the Cubs could get second over Milwaukee. So I'm not. I can I'm see that. Flipping. I can. You know, and I I'm know gonna, you were back. You were back and forth on that one. And you know, I know you had yep. a bad experience in Chicago with Cub fans. But you know, that was a long time ago, Bob. So you know, I could care could, less about could, that. <laughs> I'm kidding you, Bob. I'm kidding you. Yeah. But. Uh, the East, I I, I, I got to go Braves with you. I think Mets, Phillies, maybe uh, battling for a wild card. I think uh, both could make it. But then you have all six teams that made it last year, just different order. And and same thing in the American League. But I, I'm going to go out and say Minnesota uh, wins the Central. Cleveland is uh, um, the wild card. Houston, Seattle yeah. in the West. And in the East, I'm I'm kind of with you, Bob. But uh, you know, everybody's jumping on the Toronto. I got to see it. But and every year I keep thinking, oh, this is the year that the Rays go back, and they never do. So I think it's between the uh, Yankees win it, and I think it's between the Rays and uh, uh, Toronto for the last wild card. That sounds right. I mean, yeah, I wish I'd picked something that was kind of out off the wall. I mean, last year I actually liked Seattle. That was kind of a, I thought a pretty yeah. trendy pick, and thought, you know that that worked out. But yeah, I really don't have. I didn't really have anybody, and I, I'm just not going to pick somebody. Just pick somebody that nobody else is. So, I guess I just yeah. kind of agreed with a lot of the chalk, which is not my favorite thing to do. But that's the way right. it goes. Right. That's why I kind of went Minnesota. Uh, to win that, I can buy that. The McKenzie pitching holds up, right? Well, the McKenzie injury made a big difference for me. I did not bet the Indians or the Guardians, excuse me, over eighty-six and a half because of the McKenzie injury. And then last night they said he might only miss like three weeks now. So he went from missing like a start 
to missing two months. And then last night they mentioned on the Indians broadcast that he might only missed like three weeks. Uh, so if I if he only if you tell me ahead of time how long he's going to be out, I would yeah. actually take the the Guardians to win that division. If he's only if he's pitching on May the first, I think the Guardians win the division. But I was led to believe that he wouldn't be pitching on May first, so I didn't pick them to win the division. You know, you know what the over under on the Cubs were, like seventy six or something. Uh, sounds right. I mean, I I got it somewhere in my yeah. computer here, bash, stashed away somewhere. Right, like I, I never said, really I thought about. I think they'll be 500 a little over, and, and uh, hopefully they're not having fire sales at the trade deadline like the last two years. They're adding to it, you know, because they're young. Talent is a year or two away. That's why I thought I'd, they'd give Happ an extension because uh, Bellinger will be gone in a year, and that Crow Armstrong. Thank you, New York, Matt. Uh, Matt, you got to love that one. Javi Baez, we got the uh, the top prospect from the Mets. And he's probably a year away. He was already defensive player of the year in the minor leagues last year. So you're not going to lose anything in center field when Bellinger's gone. Yeah. You know, I like the Cubs' we, defense. I, I don't trust middle, their like start. I, I, yeah, yeah, right. I don't, well, I Hendrick, don't trust Hendricks, Right, Hendricks should be back at uh, you know by May first. So that'll help. I just don't trust. I don't know if I really trust hardly any of their starters staying healthy for a long period of time. Yeah, Strowman's so, been pretty healthy, but you know, so yeah. Kellyan, uh, Kellyan, wasn't he healthy last year for the Yankees? Pretty much. In for the most part, he wasn't very good though. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's had obviously lots of uh, baseball and non-baseball ailments, in the, including cancer. So you know, we yeah. all root for him, but I just—that's uh, my well, biggest gotta, question about the Cubs. Yeah, right. All right, this I gotta, gotta go. I really gotta more. go. Okay? You have a you have a good one. Have a good weekend. Okay, I appreciate it. Thanks. Sorry about that, but uh, kind of up against it here a little bit because I want to at least mention the Suns for a brief period of time tonight. And the Suns are, if you look at the uh, the, the market, certainly thinks that hardly anybody apparently is. Are the Nuggets even showing up for the game tonight? Uh, because last I looked, the Suns were a nine-point favorite, nine and a half as I look right now. You know, obviously, uh, Jokic didn't play last night. It's believed that Murray, after playing 30-some minutes last night, that he may not play tonight either. Uh, so we'll see. And uh, the place I used to look for years uh, for N- NBA injury updates, they've completely given up on doing morning injury updates in the NBA because of all the load management garbage that we've had to deal with this season. They're not even offering a morning update anymore. Uh, they just kind of quit that like two weeks ago. And if I actually knew how to get a hold of the person that actually runs that thing i would uh, ask him what the or her uh, what the deal is but uh i'm just guessing they just got so frustrated about uh being either wrong or just guessing that they just quit doing it so i looked this morning and they don't even have it on there they don't even have a morning update anymore so i don't blame them uh and that's uh, once again a sad state of the nba regular season and complete proof that once again the 82 game regular season is pretty much a waste of time unfortunately but the playoffs are fun and they start in like two weeks all right coming up next we'll have an update with Corey. that'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show with the national roundup we'll get to some latest line including i'll look here during the break and see if the uh lines uh for the uh, Final Four had changed, even though we've kind of been sitting on, well, the San Diego State-Florida Atlantic line has been anywhere from two to three all week long. And I'm looking right now, it kind of is a two to three right now. There's a couple threes in the uh, state of Nevada as we speak. 
pretty much two and a half everywhere else. There were actually some twos out there yesterday, but they didn't seem to last very long. And then this uh, Yukon number has been sitting much, it's pretty much at five and a half. And we'll give, I'll double check those and give you the updates, and we'll get into a little NBA for tonight. And I want to get to some baseball news from yesterday. I'm not going to give you any really line updates for baseball the first few days of the season because starting pitchers, even if they're pitching well for the most part, are pretty much on a pitch count and out of there after 80 pitches or six innings or so. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. And we uh, start uh, the National Roundup with the latest line for Saturday's Final Four. No changes uh, in the last few minutes that I'm aware of, at least consensus-wise, worldwide. Uh, San Diego State at 2.5 point favorite over Florida Atlantic, total sitting at 131.5. And Connecticut, a 5.5 point favorite over Miami of Florida, total net game 149. Tonight in the NBA, let's start with the Suns. They're up to 10.5 point favorites in the last hour or so. In some locations, uh, the Nevada sports markets, uh, you know, the places with the higher handles and limits, etc. cetera, uh, limits is the word I should use there. Uh, they've opened, and uh, needless to say, they believe that uh, Jokic is not going to play tonight. There's also speculation out there that Murray will not play tonight either after playing 40 minutes last night. Jokic did not play last night in the, uh, in the Nuggets' loss to the uh, Pelicans, I believe they played last night. Uh, so the Suns, 10, 10.5 point favorites. Seems to be kind of a general universal thing now. Just check some of the offshore things as I was talking there. So uh, hefty favorites. So that, at least that's uh, the people that are wagering on this do not expect uh, him to play. And I'm guessing Murray also tonight. Also, some other games involving Western Conference contenders, quote-unquote. Oklahoma City, a two-point favorite, Indiana. Indiana. They weren't very good before they bagged the season, and now they've kind of bagged the season uh, unofficially. Uh, Utah is at Boston, so we don't expect Boston, uh, excuse me, Utah to win tonight at Boston. Boston, a 13.5-point favorite in that game. The Lakers are at Minnesota, and uh, Minnesota, one-point favorite tonight. Of course, those are two teams supposedly chasing the Suns, and somebody has to lose that game, so that's a good thing if you're a Suns fan, not to... You're not going to lose ground to both. The Clippers are at Memphis, and uh, Memphis a six-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. Sacramento, which has now clinched a playoff spot, and uh, they're obviously, I think they're pretty secure as far as the third spot. They're 14-point favorites at Portland tonight, which has pretty much shut down every key player it has for the rest of the season, which it should do because they're done, uh, even though they're still playing. Uh, San Antonio, they're not good. They're at Golden State. Golden State, a 17-and-a-half-point home favorite tonight against San Antonio. And once again, we mentioned the Suns, 10-10-and-a-halves appearing in Nevada. And uh, now that I look at a couple uh, offshore places, pretty much 10-10-and-a-half everywhere as far as uh, tonight's game, downtown Phoenix. One other quick note from the NBA, the Knicks uh, are going to be without Julius Randle for the rest of the regular season at least. Uh, he's out for at least two weeks. He'll be reevaluated then. He suffered a sprained ankle in the Wednesday night victory over the Heat. 
uh, and they have officially ruled him out for the rest of the regular season. All right, some quick baseball items from yesterday. Justin Verlander starting the season on the injured list. Uh, basically, shoulder, armpit type of thing. And uh, he didn't seem to be too concerned about it. It seems like you know, at least some of the other people, some media people, seem to be really concerned about it. So I don't know where, where we're going with that. Max Freed, the Braves' ace, he had to leave his start yesterday, his first start, covering first base, and uh, suffered a hamstring injury. And uh, Brian Snicker uh, basically said that he's definitely going to miss his next start and uh, likely headed to the injured list. That, according to Snicker, he didn't officially say that yesterday after the game. Meanwhile, the White Sox, good news here is that uh, you know Liam Hendricks, who obviously is coming off a of cancer treatment, he was not on the 60-day injured list, just on the 15-day injured list. You know, they've been pretty hesitant, it seems. Uh, and I don't understand. I completely understand. I don't blame them uh, for uh, giving him give us a, a kind of a regular update on Hendricks' uh, situation coming back from the cancer. Meanwhile, the Astros didn't place Jose Altuve on the 60-day injured list. However, the Phillies, Reese Hoskins, did have surgery on Thursday. There was actually speculation earlier this week out of Philadelphia that maybe he's not out for the season. But after he had surgery on his torn ACL on Thursday, he's out for the season almost for sure. Usually that's a seven to nine month thing. And I'm not real good with calendars and math sometimes, but I think that pretty much rules him out for the season. All right, stay tuned in the next two hours. It's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. We'll talk some nuggets, among other things, and more phone call time, 602-260-1060.